<laughs> my go- uh, voice of podcast past. And here we go with our easy breezy summertime podcast, the GTs, Good Times in Montreal. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to the uh, Good Times in Montreal uh, with the GTs, uh, our podcast that talks about what we did, what we're doing, what we're going to do, and what we're going to do. So let's let's just recap because, you know, we're, we're, we feel sometimes it's hard to know what's going on in the city. Where do you go? Who do you ask? Where, where do you where do you where do you find out where the cool haps are happening? And we're going to maybe enlighten maybe a couple things you missed, kind of motivate you to get out next time, and, um, you know, what we're going to do so you can hang out with us (laughs) at whatever, you know, future uh, concert or event we're going to attend. So, that being said, we're going to look at uh, what what we did. Sam, what did we do? Well, we love summertime in Montreal. Who doesn't? Everybody loves it. And this week we had the amazing, amazing opportunity to go see Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys, what what is called the Beach Boys now, and their um, interpretation of the album Pet Sounds performed in its entirety at um, the Place des Arts in Montreal, which has amazing sound. 50th anniversary of this great album, the, the album that was part of the cultural war between the Beatles and the Beach Boys, the American Beatles, who the Beach Boys were considered at the time. And this was their... uh, It's a masterpiece. Masterpiece, you know, in response to Revolver. And in this album, in turn, inspired Sgt. Pepper's. So Mm. um, just a seminal album, a very important record, and just a gorgeous listen. Beautiful. And we were treated to that album in its entirety. Yeah. I had chills. I think at some points, because there's a lot of sort of choral vocals yeah. that are so, in, like, I know that album backwards and forwards. I know that there's so much percussive. Um, Invention. Uh, yes. On that album, there's like bells and whistles and there's clogging and there's like uh sleigh bells and i know all the i know every moment and they just did all of it but the thing that i find the most touching is that they have a lot of choral harmonies and you're sort of afraid you're like that was like 50 years ago are they going to be able to do that and they really pulled it off they have al jardine one of the original beach boys his son matthew is doing the high falsetto Brian the, Wilson parts. The Carl, the Carl Wilson parts, yeah. which were just like, you know, Absolutely. He's singing uh, God Only Knows and and just always coming in with that Beautiful. angelic, emotional, pitch perfect kind of uh, emotional, uh, kind of heavenly lift. Mm-hmm. Whenever the song requires, there comes Carl and... Al Jardine's son really brought it and really was kind of the star of the show, honestly. Totally, totally. As as Brian ages and his his voice was in weaker form and you know he's kind of struggling in some moments, you know, and we're all kind of like you're hoping you're hoping kind of clenching our teeth and is he going to get through it? And sometimes he wouldn't, but then the next moment would transcend. Yeah, and we're all kind of on his side, you know. The whole crowd. One of the great pop 
songwriting geniuses, arranging geniuses, you know, vocal geniuses, like so many hyphenates in this producer. You genius know. geniuses. And we all kind of see him a little bit of as this kind of victim now, knowing how he was treated by his own band and treated by his dad. and um, Very controlled. Like, everyone's trying to control him. And they think Mike Love as well. There's all this controversy about original member Mike Love, who's got a, just a terrible reputation. Yeah, Mike Love, <laughs> who wears a Beach Boys baseball cap mm, to, to his lots own. Lots of rings. As he's singing as in his own, the band. It's like... Mm-hmm. Does, would Alice Cooper be caught dead wearing an Alice Cooper baseball cap? Mm. I, I mean, it's just, he's, he's an embarrassment. But anyway, but uh, back to the show, I mean, they'd started with the two opening tracks from Smile, the abandoned album that was meant to be the response to Sgt. Pepper. You know, since so Pet Sounds inspired Sgt. Pepper, Sgt. Pepper, the phenomenon it was, Brian wanted to raise the game, raise the stakes, and he was working on what he was calling a... Uh, a teenager's symphony, a teenager's prayer to God. Mm. And so the first two tracks of, uh, tracks, the first two songs of this concert were the opening two songs of this abandoned Smile album, which eventually got released a few years ago and is great, a great listen. Yeah. And why was it abandoned? Well, it was abandoned because he lost his mind. I mean, he was a little overwhelmed with the pressure, I think, of... I think the pressure he was placing on himself. I think at yeah. this point, it wasn't like his dad was cracking the whip anymore. I think he was just clearly uh, the boss of the Beatles by this point and doing a uh, little too many drugs. Mm-hmm. And, he was uh, probably self-medicating, too, like, at know, the time. Yeah, self-medicating. I mean, I think that... But he was also, you know, partying. It was like mm-hmm. he was the, the one of the great rock stars in the mid-late 60s, and he was doing it up, and but... Maybe with a fragile brain like he is, I shouldn't have been involved with uh, LSD and all these other things. And he just walked away. And I don't think he had the support of his band. They're listening to the smile stuff. And they're like, where's the hits? Where's the fun, fun, fun? Where's the get around? And they weren't, they weren't hearing it. Mm-hmm. And he just did not have the support of his band. And he just walked away. And they put out some kind of country rock album or something, Smiley Smile. It was a cute record, and but just not up to the artistic kind of uh, lofty heights he was reaching for Mm -hmm. but so cool to hear it like live and it was lush and gorgeous and talk about vocal arrangements i think this is like nine ten part harmonies were happening that night Mm -hmm. and just perfection it was perfection and i had tears in my eyes at some points because it, it was just so beautifully done it was just beautifully arranged absolutely um so moving on yeah um, I'm going to go back since we're talking about something we did and it's been a little while since our last podcast. Yeah, but this spring we went to the, the, the Mac, the Musée d'Art Contemporain and we checked out uh, Ragnar Kjartensens, an Icelandic uh, artist, uh, his first major show in Canada and we saw a couple of his pieces um, at the museum. And what it was, it was two pieces, well, three pieces, but two that we enjoyed in particular. One that drew us was, um, you know, the band The National. They have a song called Sorrow. Well, Ragnar had this concept that they would perform that song for six hours straight. And The National said, we accept this challenge. So an audience was brought in. 
a little a kind of a gray kind of studio kind of time time a land of time forgot kind of a situation it's film. in a museum in, in new york they filmed it in a museum room in, in new york city oh great yeah so they filmed it um but you don't really kind of get a sense of what's going on outside it's just kind of this gray room audience i think is slowly trickling in and they're playing the song and it leads into the the you know they they kind of keep the same arrangement like the same drum beat it's not like oh we'll do a country version or we'll do a kind of a punky version or you know a cow punk version or whatever <laughs> like they were just they did this song straight if you know the national they have two lead guitarists that maybe the coloring would change a little bit from song to song but basically they were just let's do this song 105 times i think is the total oh wow so we um what we did was we kind of timed it out knowing it was a six hour piece so we timed it so we would arrive um to kind of catch the end of it because we i mean i was very curious what would that look like towards the end of six hours and so we did and we got our seats and we settled in and we at knowing by the time uh, on the clocks what time the museum opened we figured it was about hour five so we sat down we watched about an hour of this and it was pretty transfixing i mean you're watching a song and you're just kind of enjoying the song the first couple times and then you're kind of like maybe kind of getting in the zone a bit maybe zoning out and then and then at one point you're looking up and the lead singer, I forget his name. Mm -hmm. Anyway, mm -hmm. he's crying. He's like, ooh. Because he's, he's kind of Mr. Cool. He's up there in his three-piece of mm -hmm. suits. And they're like, when we, when we showed up, there was like, because it's six hours, right? So there's a guy, I think it was the Ragnar it's himself. The, the he's, going, he's going around with um, snacks, with trays of uh, crudite. Because they've been playing for so long. They needed they had snack time. And there's a lot of white wine going on yeah. or red wine or whatever. It had a great sense of humor, sort of a good um, a feeling about the whole thing. It didn't seem like a slog. And the band never seemed to lose their juice. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean... Some would drop out, and then someone else would fill in. And, and the drummer was just steady really with that, the kind of like that sixteenth um, notes on the hi yeah. hat. And at one point, you see him like crouch beside the drum set, and he's like eating, like he needed to refuel. Yeah, and he's in a kind of a kind of a peaceful Japanese kind of like serene mm -hmm. pose, and he's like, I can only imagine what kind of um, you know endurance it would take to kind of do that and do it properly. Like you're you're not hearing like bum notes or anything like that. I heard that the well, because I read um, uh, an article about the artist in the New Yorker after we had seen the show, and he said that when the lead singer, I think his name is Matt something, and I'm forgetting his last name, when he starts to cry, he's, he's thinking about his family. He has a young daughter, and he just started thinking about his daughter, and he, he broke into tears. And it was so, it's really beautiful to watch. He has quite a monotone, baritone voice, and to see him kind of crack into this emotion is was quite uh, was quite emotional. And the songs are. You know, quite elegant. They're pop structures, but they always have this kind of um, ambient kind of um, backdrop to what's basically a straightforward pop. So, can you hear the excitement of the? Uh... <laughs> Portugal has won the Euro Cup, and we live in downtown Montreal in a very heavily Portuguese area. And the horns outside—it's a symphony, symphony of klaxon, klaxonnements. They'd say in French. So. 
kind of impressed with their focus, with their intensity, with their kind of dedication to this project. I mean, I thought hearing about it, reading about it on paper, it sounds very curious, but what is it like to experience? And like I said, we arrived at the last six hours, so we saw the project wrap up, and then we saw the beginning, the start of it. And then that's when it became clear, is like, no, they, this project wasn't about, let's explore this song, let's explore this melody, let's explore this simple pop song and see where we can take it. I, I don't think that was the purpose. I think the purpose was to live within, what does this song mean to me? What is this, does the song meaning change as I repeat words and melodies? Does it? gain greater depth i mean i just thought it was such a curious little little but it, it, it was a curious little project experiment but you saw it that worked absolutely the crowd like that was what i liked about watching the begin the end and then the beginning was that what you saw at the end was how much the crowd was supporting it was really an installation piece where the crowd was so involved yeah so with like our like four fifty five you know you're you're the crowd was definitely understanding their part, which is to throw a cheer, get a yeah. nice applause totally. going, fill in the song, start singing along with them because it was that song is called "Sorrow" and and then the piece is called "A Lot of Sorrow," which I also think is a great sense of humor yeah. about itself. Well, literally a lot of sorrow, 105 times. I don't think it's at the Mac anymore, but I think you can kind of check out on various uh, YouTube's and social medias clips and mm -hmm. photos and we have a little clip on our instagram and the gts uh, of a little girl doing twirls in front of the screen and you know that happened a lot kids would get to dancing and uh, you're just kind of smiling and listening to the music and realizing the magic of the moment so very very cool of course then what do we do is we cross the museum to the other side and we walk into another installation which is Ball, sign of a ballroom. Anyway, and that one was called The Visitors. And what you have is nine screens spread out across this ballroom. Two in the, two in the middle facing each other or facing out. And then kind of staggered around the ballroom, darkened. Uh, you have these nine screens. And, each, and it's set in a mansion. It seems to be a mansion. And you, in the library, you have the drummer, for example. And in the bathtub... You have Ragnar himself, who I think wrote a lovely little song, and he's singing lead and playing a guitar naked in the bathtub. And then you have the harp player, and then you have the piano player in the living room. And clearly, throughout this mansion, they set up mics and cameras. And they're <clears throat> kind of hearing each other through the headphones, and but kind of, you know, um, enjoying the sonorous uh, qualities of each particular room that they're in and really really cool yeah super cool yeah and i just wanted to say it's a it's a manor that belongs to a family in in the hudson valley of new york it's kind of a large very stately old home that looks like a mansion so it's quite large and they're in separate rooms of the house and they cannot hear each other. They're isolated into all these different rooms. But it no, is but someone's they the headphones house. On. Yeah, for sure. For, they can hear each other. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. But they can't see each other. They're isolated, each one of them, in these different rooms. Because it's quite well arranged and they're, they're, the music is intricate and playing off each other. It's just um, 
the fact that they are not together. And mm-hmm. and then as the song progresses, I think this is another kind of lengthy song. So I think it goes about an hour, but it's just it's one pop song with the refrains repeated and maybe growing in intensity and then kind of trailing off. At some point, they all leave and they all gather in the center screen and then walk off on the manor's meadows and 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 just singing all along the guy's still naked at some point someone rips off his towel and they're just walking off into the distance singing and you hear the echoes still resonating and by this time the audience has gathered around one screen because as you're watching it everyone picks their artist or you kind of meander from one screen to the next each artist is a screen so you can kind of pick who you're watching and who you're focusing on and then of course you have the the mic or the the speaker for each room kind of having that particular artist more 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 uh, represented you know volume wise so it was cool to just kind of walk around and and hear you know the the harp or the the guitar or the piano or the the vocalists and there's more. like a choral of people on the porch of the house and that's the family so they're that's a family that owns the house they're they're singing the sort of choral parts the background vocals yeah. and they all merge and leave it's quite cool too because they actually light each of the people s- differently so there's different moods created like the bass player is quite well lit i found and the piano player and then there's a woman playing um accordion in a room and she's not lit at all she's by window she looks like a ghost and that i found super cool like and one of the guitarists is playing in a room and i think his girlfriend's still sleeping (laughs) in the bed i couldn't decide if that was a setup or not because at some point she wakes up but i thought that was kind of like captured uh clearly it's like 10 a.m on a sunday like Mm -hmm. that's the vibe you get totally yeah and they're just mesmerizing that one i think is about 40 minutes i think we did the whole thing I think we saw we could just sit on the floor and watch it. It was great, yeah. mesmerizing. So that's what we did. Um, moving on, guys, to what we're doing. What are we doing, Sam? Well, lately we've been doing a couple country jams. We in our band, the GTS, we have uh, we've been working on some new tunes, and we've had a couple com- country jams with instrumentation well last week we packed up the the prius <laughs> and Trusty we prius. took down uh some gear and we invaded sam's parents house which is near kingston in the country and um it's a lovely little patch of uh terrain where we're quite isolated and often we play in the barn uh, Neil Young style, and, and this time we played in, I guess, the music room. There's a big grand piano in this room. Bay window. And it's not like fancy digs or anything. It just, it's just a, a great old house with this nice room with bay windows and lots of plants and a kind of a nice breeze and set up the drums, set up the guitar, and kind of played some new songs and worked on uh, arrangements of new songs and... It's kind of where we became a band in the first place. A Christmas holiday a couple of years ago, we just kind of hung out, watched Freaks and Geeks, and jammed in the living room, and came back and watched Freaks and Geeks. It was a dream. It was a dream week, and it was a great, great it was, week. It was the best. I'd it was never the first seen, vacation we ever like really took. It was the first like week vacation we took. I'd never together. seen that show, and I was like, "Where's the... okay? I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get this show." Judd Apatow. Okay, we enjoyed all thirteen episodes together that week. Is that all there is? Yeah, there's only 13 episodes. Because it was canceled. 
ridiculous. I know. That's the whole thing about Freaks and Geeks. Well, it's on Netflix, so check out the Freaks and Geeks, guys. Please. Every but episode's a little gem. Fantastic. You know, and, and Friday I was kind of hanging around waiting for, for UPS to deliver our uh, test pressing of our vinyl EP, Ooh. LP. Ooh. That's so exciting. I was so annoyed. I was like... I didn't know that's what you were... Oh, you didn't... I was checking the app over and over you again. You didn't tell me what was being delivered. Oh, I know. I'm kind of telling you now. I didn't know... That's why you were so bummed. I was now annoyed. I understand. Well, it kind of would have been nice to have. Oh, so. shoot. And... I well, I think due to uh, some postal strike, oh, yeah, we, we, weren't, a, we weren't getting our, uh, our, I think UPS was slammed and they couldn't bring us our, our test pressing, but our uh, debut vinyl EP was going to be in my hand, LP, I keep saying EP. We don't full play, length. We don't play length. that. Oh, 12 no. songs. 12 songs. Um, but that being said, uh, still waiting on that, but going to pull the trigger I'm feeling good about it we're so I'm, we're so I'm excited to have it in my hands it's been beautifully art directed by uh, our close personal friend Jenna Roker um, and we're excited to I'm excited to have it in my hands it's very very exciting and the thought of people like putting it on like I was thinking like my sister and my nephew who dance in their living room to the record player I was like oh my god they're going to be able to dance to our album and I got like all excited and like I got a little emotional about that. Absolutely. Yes, well, sweetie. you know, it's um, it's emotional music. It's fun. Well, it's some pretty fun tunes. That too. Yeah, baby. Okay, what are we going to do, Sam? All right, so what we're going to do is they're doing a film noir series on the Lachine Canal, which is a beautiful little canal in the south part of montreal in the city of montreal love film noir yes and they're doing outdoor screenings and the first one is tomorrow night at eight forty-five, and it is to have and to have not howard hawks starring uh, uh starring lauren bacall and humphrey bogart and Whoa. it's gonna be on the canal tomorrow night eight forty-five. two classic and we're gonna totally go to that film, there, it was supposed film to noir be, stars it was supposed to be tonight but the weather in montreal is a tro- was atrocious day which is why we stayed in and watched lots of sports <laughs> there was a lot of sports finals today so we had a bit of a pajama day yeah and, we watched uh portugal win the world cup and we also watched unfortunately milos milos ronich lose to Andy Roddick at wimbledon but he played well a valiant effort first canadian ever at wimbledon final he did a great job so we watched both of those things yeah and and so the screening was canceled because the weather was so bad. It is tomorrow night in Montreal, uh, July 11th at 8.45 on the Lachine Canal. And we're also looking forward to some Just for Laughs action. Yes, I mean, it's kind of amazing in the sense that, uh, what, what was that myth that was floated around that women aren't funny or something? Okay, that, I, why am I giving that fresh breath? Let's because not talk about that. I'm just saying, all I'm looking forward to this year are the women. I mean, you got Maria Bamford, you got Janine Garofalo, um, classic. You got Sarah Silverman, and you just bought tickets for Veep. The cast of Veep coming, Tony Hale. Which, of course, is uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. So between that quadrant of amazing females, I think that myth can be put to rest. I don't know if it's that alive. (laughs) It was never really a thing. There was like an article in Vanity Fair about that like five years ago and it made me mad then. It still makes me mad. No, I I do feel silly bringing it up at all. But my point is, is those are the shows I'm going to see this year. I was going to say, I come from a family, all sides of our hilarious women. I come from such a lineage of hilarious women that I just, I couldn't even give that any 
breath. And you make me laugh all the time. Thank you, sweetie. That always makes me feel good when you laugh at my jokes. Even if you don't mean to. Or <laughs> the ones that are inadvertent and the ones that are... Unper- Advertent. I like virtent. Yes, vertent. Vertent jokes, please, only. Okay, guys. Well, that's what we did. That's what we're doing. And that's what we're going to do. Tune in next time when we tell you all over again what we did, what we're going to do, what we're doing. See you next week, guys. This is the GTs. My name is Paul. My name is Sam. See you later. Bye.